Well, today we're going to be spending some time together asking the question of each other, how can we land safely after a spiritual high? We've just completed an amazing time in our church's life. The 40 Days of Purpose was a time where I think so many of us had an incredible experience coming to understand God in a, in a new way, coming to sense a teaching that was just uh, wonderful. We came to see God in, in new ways that we perhaps hadn't seen before. We experienced God changing our lives in ways we hadn't before. Some of you became Christians for the first time, followers of Jesus. Some of you were baptised and, and experienced incredible benefits of the time that we've spent together studying God's Word over the 40 days. And last weekend, wasn't it just a wonderful time together? You know, we came on uh, Good Friday and we spent time reflecting on Jesus' death. And on Easter Sunday, as we remembered together and celebrated Christ's resurrection, we had nine people that were baptised, seven in the morning, two at night, and it was just a wonderful time for us. And I think we can say, boy, God has been doing wonderful things in our church and in this family and in my life and in your life. It's been a great time and we're really thankful. So the question is, how do we now go along this next leg of our spiritual journey? Especially if we've been on a spiritual high, how can we continue? What's the best way to approach the days ahead? Let me ask you a question this morning. Does anyone know what the highest point on earth is? The highest part? Mount Everest. Exactly right. It's, Mount Everest is the highest point on our earth. Do you know how high it is? It's 29,035 feet high. And do you know that somewhere between 1,300 and 1,600 people have actually successfully gone right up to the top of Mount Everest. Did you know that uh, they've actually made it all the way up and they've been attempting it since 1921. That was when the first uh, people have been attempting it since that time. During that period, uh, more than 160 people have actually died trying to get to the top of Mount Everest and coming down again. That means that one in eight people who have who attempt to climb Mount Everest, die. And you know how much you have to pay? It costs around fifty to 60000 for a group of people to climb together the top of Mount Everest, and one in eight die. So people are paying big money to have this opportunity just to, to, to <laughs> give it a go. Why, why would people do that? Why would people do that? Well, because it's kind of special, isn't it? Imagine meeting someone who can say, I've climbed Mount Everest. I was part of those elite groups. You know, it could, could be one in eight chance that you might not make it back, but they've said, no, I've actually done something which is daring and unique and I've been part of something that was exciting. And we feel like that, don't we, when we're in the midst of spiritual highs. We just, we just can't think of anything better and it's been wonderful and it's been wonderful to be part of this together and we hope that it continues. But let me ask you a question. Is it more dangerous to climb Mount Everest than it is to descend Mount Everest. What do you think is the most dangerous part? That's right. 
You know, more people have actually died coming down after climbing from Mount Everest. The descending part has been the most difficult part for people. People have got to the summit, many of them, but have never made it back, have never been able to come down from that high. Now, there are highs and lows in our spiritual lives, aren't there? It's a fact of, of life. And sometimes there are times when you're on top of the world and sometimes there's times when you're going through tough times spiritually. But isn't that true just of all of life? There's good times and there are bad times. There's up and down. And if you're going to live on this earth, there's going to be times when things are fantastic and there's going to be times when things are hard. I wonder if you heard about the guy who was talking to his friend and uh, he said, hey, did you hear that John fell out of an aeroplane? And his friend said, oh, that's good. And the guy said, well, the parachute didn't open. And the other side guy said, well, well, that's bad. Hey, did you hear about John? He fell out of an aeroplane. And his buddy said, oh, that's bad. And the first guy said, no, he had a parachute. And his friend said, oh, that's good. And the guy said, no, the parachute didn't open. <laughs> and the other guy said, oh, that's bad. And the first guy said, no, no, it's all right. There was a haystack. And he said, oh, that's good. And the other guy said, no, no, there was a pitchfork in it. <laughs> and the other guy said, oh, no, that's bad. And the first guy said, oh, no, it's, he missed the pitchfork. And he said, oh, that's good. And the other guy said, no, no, he missed the haystack. <laughs> that's really bad, isn't it? There can be no good in that. But, you know, it's true, there are highs and lows right through life, aren't there? And there are things that are wonderful. And the next minute we find we're in real tough times again. And then we're up on top of the mountain. And this is what life is like. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus was on the mountain and he had some of his closest disciples around him and an incredible experience happened where Jesus was transfigured right in front of him, transformed right in front of them. And it was just amazing that the, that the disciples were just so caught up and excited about it. And Peter starts to say, oh, Jesus, this is fantastic. Couldn't we just build some tents up here, three tents on this mountain and stay here forever? This is just so fantastic. And isn't it true when we give those highs in life, we just want them to keep going and keep going. We don't want them to ever end. We want to have the peace of heaven right here. <coughs> and we want it to keep going. It's like the little boy who had this turtle and his name was Albert. And I've got to drink water there. Could you? <coughs> Albert was a, a cute little turtle until one day he just flipped right over and... That was it, legs up in the air and he died. And the little boy said to his dad, he said, Dad, Dad, Albert's died. And he started crying and he was very upset, completely upset about it. And his dad, you know, he was trying to smooth things over as you do with kids when they're really upset. And he said, look, don't worry about it, son. What we're going to do is we're going to give Albert a really good funeral. You know, it's going to be fine. And the boy's still crying. He said, look, i tell you what. We'll have a party for Albert. We'll be able to invite your friends over. We'll have some ice cream and some lollies and we'll be able to give him a nice funeral. It'll be great. The boy started to smile. He was thrilled. You know, he's wrapped. And he said, well, 
Let's go out and bury Albert now. And as they went out, they opened up the box and they looked and there's Albert flipped back over and running around in the box to get, you know, really happy. And uh, the, the, the boy looked up at his dad and he said, Dad, could we kill him? <laughs> Sorry for all you turtle lovers. I don't think it's a true story. But the point of this, and I'm getting to the point, is that sometimes we'll go to extreme lengths to have the highs that we're looking for, just like that boy. Uh, he wanted the party so much. And sometimes we'll try and prolong experience of, of spiritual highs because we just want to be there forever. But do you think it's possible to always stay on a spiritual high? I don't think it is. If you read the Bible, right through the Bible, there's just a parade of highs and lows. Uh, some examples. You know, the story of Daniel. He, uh, he was very, very faithful to God in his life. Now, that's a high. But because of his faithfulness to God, he was thrown into a uh, den of hungry lions. That's a low. But the lions didn't eat him. That's a high. You see the pattern there. What about the story of Jonah? He runs away from God. That's a, a low. He was swallowed by a great fish. That's a low, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> the fish vomits him up on dry ground. A high, low, kind of. <laughs> I mean, there's only two ways you can come out of a fish, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I say it was a high. <laughs> but, but think about, you know, Jesus in his baptism. He hears his father's voice from heaven and, and as he's baptised, he's come out of the water, he hears God say, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. That was a high. And then immediately what happened is Jesus went into the desert for the wilderness for 40 days where he's tempted by Satan and that's a low, that's a tough time for him. Then he comes back and he starts preaching and teaching and people hear his words and respond to him. That's a spiritual high. Then he's crucified. What a low. But then resurrection and new life, he rose from the dead. And you know what I know? What, you know what I think is really true? I think the truth is that because Jesus stayed faithful to God in the highs and the lows, that it's in the highs and the lows that you and I can learn to become more like Jesus. Whether we're going through a spiritual high or a spiritual low, if we remain faithful to God right through that, we're going to be like Jesus. You say, well, Jonathan, how do I know that I'm on the right road down this journey? How do you know, I know that I am actually being faithful to God, whether I'm on a spiritual high or a spiritual low? Well, there's a passage of... Scripture that I thought it'd be great for us to spend a little while looking at this morning. And we look at people who were going through spiritual highs and lows. Let's take a look together. You can look on your outline if you have it or up on the screen. Um, it's Revelation chapter 2. You can follow it in your Bibles too. Revelation chapter 2. Beginning with verse 2. Verse 2 to verse 5. And uh, I'll read this for us. 
Jesus is talking to Christians in Revelation chapter 2. And he says, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they're not. And you found them to be false and you have persevered and have endured for my name's sake. And have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the things you did at first. Notice the description of these followers of Jesus. They've grown in their faith, it's obvious. They've obviously had a clear sense of what their purpose was. They'd served the Lord with gratitude, with you know, emotion, with joy, with diligence. But something had happened. Something had happened with them. Somewhere along the line in their journey with Jesus, something had changed for them. Now, it wasn't a problem with work. You know, they were working hard. They were working just fine. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you're great at work and you're great at your perseverance. You're great at enduring. You're really good at getting things done and working hard. That wasn't what they were doing wrong. It wasn't a work problem. It wasn't an information problem either. I don't think they were thinking the wrong things or they didn't understand God's word properly or things like that. They weren't really doing that either. Their problem was a love problem. They were suffering from what you can only describe as kind of a love drift. You know, they were once so in love and yet they had like a heart drift which slowly lost its passion and its love. Have you ever had a heart drift? Have you ever... Uh, Felt times when your heart was just so inflamed with passion and now it's just kind of cooled down a bit. I mean, this happens all the time, doesn't it, with male and female relationships. Uh, I mean, have a look at this kind of couple. They're just in love, aren't they? I mean, you don't need words to explain that. They're, they're just enthusiastic and, you know, you remember those kind of feelings? Perhaps when you uh, kind of got a sick in the stomach, all giddy and nervous and jumpy and wide-eyed and you were enthusiastic and passionate and you just can't kind of stop touching each other, love, you know. Do you remember? <laughs> Perhaps it's been a long time. But let me tell you a little bit of what this kind of first love looks like. You know, number one, there's an insatiable desire to learn about the other person. An insatiable desire, all you can learn about the other person you want to know. I want you to imagine this, this kind of couple. They're, they're, what would they be saying at this restaurant? You know, they're not, probably not even thinking about the bill or the menu or that they haven't even ordered yet and they might have been there for 20 minutes just talking, you know, together. They're not, they're really caught up 
in each other and they're probably talking, you know, talking to each other, having an incredible conversation with each other. Perhaps, um, you remember what that was like? Perhaps they were kind of um, asking things about the, each other. Tell me about your past. Tell me about your pain, darling. Tell me about your parents. Tell me about your present. What's going on now? Tell me about the things that are happening. What are your plans for the future, honey? Remember relationships like this where conversation, people were just talking and talking. But, you know, somewhere along the road. <laughs> somewhere along the road. I don't know exactly what point it happens. But, you know, by this photo, by this picture, I'm not suggesting that old people can't be passionately in love. You know, this could have been those younger couple as well. It's not about age. My grandparents were just so much in love with each other. They were passionately. So this could be that other couple looking there like, like that as well. So it's not about age, okay? But, you know, the, the, this couple, uh, it seems like they've grown, they've lost their first love. You know, maybe if they were at that restaurant, he'd be kind of... Uh, you know, food, he, he, he'd, try and he'd probably be slopping food all over his shirt. <laughs> be looking at his plate, he'd be eating with both hands. I don't mind, honey. Maybe he's complaining about the price, you know. <laughs> and maybe they're not talking to each other at all. You know, this is, this is what can happen. Now, a second attribute of first love is that there's a heavy investment in the relationship. There's really a heavy investment in the relationship. People are willing to give a lot. Hey, you want to spend time together? No problem. No problem. I'd love to. I'd love to. I've got all the time in the world. You can imagine this young couple, can't you? Uh, they, they probably dance all night together just to be together. You can imagine her saying, honey, can I just drive by where you work just to see you? <laughs> Maybe I'll just come and watch you work. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch your watch while you work, you know. I, I've got all the time in the world for you, honey. I just like to be with you. And, um, you know, when they go out to dinner, honey, you know, you can get the lobsters. You can order whatever you like. Caviar, you know, you go for it, honey. I, I don't care. It's on me. When they go out to shopping, you know, money, not a problem, darling. We're in, we're in love. Uh, when they go shopping and they go to the mall or to the, you know, to the plaza. You know, by the way, they, they go to the plaza. You, remember, you know that? And, and they're saying, honey, buy whatever you want. Buy whatever you want. Do you think he goes to the plaza? <laughs> he maybe did at the start. But now there's no way, you know. I've been too busy, honey. And plus, you spend too much there anyway. And, you know, if he does go, he ends up just like, haven't we looked in this shop before, honey? You know, the plaza's not a place for them. But when, you're in, when you have this first love, there's a heavy investment in the relationship. So there's an insatiable desire, a heavy investment, and thirdly, there's an intense preoccupation of your heart. An intense preoccupation of your heart. So you see this couple here. 
I just imagine a big smash happening out on the road behind and they wouldn't even notice in the window, you know, someone come and knock and they're just caught in each other's eyes. You know, they, they're just caught up intensely uh, with that. Nothing else could, could distract their attention from each other. They're just so consumed looking into each other's eyes. Why? Well, there's no room for any other person in their hearts. They're not thinking about anyone else. They're not thinking about that. They're full of love for each other. Uh, this is a person who's full of devotion. They've got all of their affection, every little bit of, uh, you know, self, uh, of, of their, you know, desires are just caught up with them. Can you remember those times? Remember the first love kind of things? And, you know, it, it, it's incredible. They, they, these guys, if there was a song they'd be singing together, if there was a jukebox in the corner, They'd go and put on, ain't no mountain high enough to keep me from getting to you. You know the carpenter song? I'd say goodbye to love. No one else. Anyway, you don't remember that song, obviously. <laughs> An intense preoccupation with one another. Yeah, you know, that can happen to love. Have a look at this next verse. This is what can happen to love. Revelation 2.4 says, You have left your first love. You have left it. It's gone. It's, notice it says, You've, You have left it. It was a choice. A choice that happened. You've left it. Actually, you know, it was a small series of choices. Over time, slowly, bit by bit, actual choices. Now, we've just come through this incredible time of 40 days of purpose, haven't we? Where uh, right now our relationship with God has been wonderful. You know, we've been, having, we've been reading each day, spending time with God. We've been talking with each other about the things we've been experiencing together. We've been going to a small group. You committed to come to church each week and you've enjoyed that and you've been coming and you've been so diligent in the decisions that you've made that they've kept your love alive and fresh. But over time, small little decisions that you make can just chip away until eventually, you know, you've, you've lost your first love. You've, you've lost it. And maybe that might be what happens to us if we're not careful with the little choices that we've made, the little things that we've done. We've got to keep making choices to ensure that we're expressing the first love that we have to God. Rainy days. Cloud comes over. Darkness comes in on our relationships, which was, was sunny <coughs> and bright shining days. And we find that it's difficult, difficult to love like we once did. <coughs> so first of all, what can we do? What steps can we take to ensure that we don't slowly move away from this love? Well, Revelation also gives us the answers. It says step one, in verse five, Jesus says, Remember, I've got this up here still. Remember. Can some of you remember in your journey with Christ, in your relationship with Jesus when you first came to know him? Some of you, it's just been through the 40 days. But, but this verse is saying that we're to remember the heights from which we've come. You know, to remember the days that were so special and that so full where we understood about what Jesus had done for us. You know, I'll never forget the, times when, the time when I 
late at night, asked Jesus to come into my life, asked him to be the one that I would follow. I remember it clear as, as day because I was so profoundly aware of what Jesus had done for me. I sensed his love. I knew all that. I, you know, reading God's word, it came alive. There was so much depth in it that I just loved it, had a hunger and a passion for it. I wonder if you can remember those times too. Remember. Remember those times. But also remember what Christ has done for you. Spend time sitting down, reflecting on his death, on his resurrection, on all the things that he's done for you. Give thanks. Spend time remembering all that he's done. There's a song that was written many years ago by Lionel Harris, and he wrote about what God was saying to the listener. And sometimes these are the words that he said in the song. This is God speaking. You know, I miss my time with you, those moments together. I need to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say, you're too busy, busy trying to serve. How can you serve me when your spirit is empty? You know, so often those small decisions are eroded away by other decisions which we put in priority over our love relationship with God. You know, we forget that relationship with God is supposed to be about us loving him and receiving his love. And sometimes we make the subtle shift of doing things for him and we get so busy that we're so exhausted that we don't make the time to spend enjoying our relationship with him. You know, so many churches are in danger of that and I feel that we are too. We've got so many things that are going on and you need to be careful that you don't exhaust yourself without spending time remembering all the things that God has said to you and taught you in this 40 days. Keep journaling. Keep having a, a regular quiet time. Keep being part of a, a, a small group. Keep coming along each week. Make those decisions so that you can keep remembering all that Jesus has done for you. Now look at that verse again in verse 5. Notice the next step that you take. When you've allowed your love to slip, verse 5 says, repent, repent. That's a really heavy word. But you know what the, the, the word actually means? The, the real definition of repent is to recognise where I am and recognise that where I am is not where I'm supposed to be. And therefore I, I turn around, I turn and I move towards where I am supposed to be. That's what it is. It's saying to God, God, I recognise that I'm not where I'm supposed to be and so I'm turning around and I'm moving towards it. It's like what this says in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 40. Let's read that together. Let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. That's what it means to repent. That's what it means. So first of all, you remember. Second, you repent. You know, a great way that we do that is through having communion. We're going to move now to communion and we're going to remember all the things that God has done for us and we're going to repent together too in this time. So if you're serving communion, come and gather around and we're going to share together. What you can do on this spiritual journey, the third step that you can do to keep your love alive is do what you used to do 
Um, do you know, um, take one, you take one step at a time. You do the next right thing that you're supposed to do. That's the next thing where you, how you can keep going. So first you remember, second you repent. You do what you used to do when you're on that spiritual high. You know, you keep doing the thing that you know God's calling you to do. For instance, perhaps during the uh, 40 days you found that it was really great committing to what you did. And as you continued to do the readings or coming to church, you found heaps of benefit in that. Perhaps you've sensed God calling you to be baptised like you saw many others. Well, as God speaks to you, do what you used to do. You obeyed him back in the spiritual high time. Well, obey him now. Uh, if, if he's calling you to become a follower of Christ, well, obey him. If he's calling you to, uh, to, to take the next step in sharing your faith, well, obey him. Do what you used to do when you were following Christ. Do you know, you might like to write this down. It just even because you feel like doing something, it doesn't, it, just because you don't feel like doing something doesn't actually mean that it helps, uh, that, that it's good. So motion will lead to emotion. Just because you don't feel like doing something doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Actually, sometimes when we don't feel like doing something, we should really do it. So it's best just to start it because motion leads to emotion. When you're feeling down, you don't feel like doing anything. But sometimes when you actually start to do what you know you used to do, it helps. And it helps you to continue to follow him. The motion there is not being busy. We know that, don't we? It's putting into practice what God's calling us to do. And that will lead us to the spiritual times of continuing to be faithful, no matter what situation we're in. You know, following Jesus from the mountain, mountaintop into the valleys is a series of small, small steps and choices in the right direction. So you can go with Jesus even through the deep, difficult valleys as you take one step at a time, trusting in him. This is what it says in Philippians 3.16. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. No matter what your feelings are, continue to be faithful to him. Look what this verse says in Galatians 5. 16 and 22 to 23. Live by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. You see, as you continue to live responding to God obediently, these fruit of the Spirit will be seen in your life, whether you're in a high or a low, whether you're going through great times or bad times, you'll see the fruit that will be coming right through. And this is what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8, 11. Having started the ball rolling so enthusiastically, you should carry this project through to completion just as gladly. Yet let your enthusiastic idea at the start be equaled by your realistic action now. That's a good verse, isn't it? Keep on going. Keep on going. Do you know, you might say, but what happens if I fail? What happens if I trip up? Well, it's good to know that when you fail, God never does. He's always faithful. He's always good. He always keeps his promises. 
You know, another thing that you can remember, God's care for you too will never fail. He's always faithful and he will always care and love you. He'll continue to care for you whether you're going through highs or lows. Not only that, God's love will never fail. Do you know, a father came home every night. He drove his pickup truck down the driveway and he watched his young son, who was just two or three years, three years old at the time, looked and would see his mum who would come and to the door, greet the husband, give him a hug. He'd walk in after a hard day of work and he'd sit down on the couch, as most husbands do. No. And he'd sit down there. The, the three-year-old boy would watch as his mum would get biscuits and milk and just go and bring it to her husband and the husband would eat the biscuits and milk. One day she was out doing the uh, washing out the back and the young boy saw his dad's car come up the driveway. And so what he did was he, he ran to the fridge. He opened up the fridge and he tried to get the milk, but it was just a bit too big, the carton, to get it off properly. And as he tried to pour it into the cup that he had, the glass tipped over and fell and smashed with milk going onto the floor as well. He could hear the door shut and of, his, of the car outside, so he grabbed whatever he could of the glass and put some milk in there. And then he, he went straight to the pantry and got some, some of the biscuits and opened them up. And as he was putting them on, the, the biscuits fell into the sort of milk as well. So they were like soggy and there were bits of glass hanging out of these biscuits and everything. And he put them up and as he sort of held them up, he had a cup in one hand, a broken glass and soggy biscuits and just mess all around the floor as his dad walked in right inside. And he opened the door and he looked and he took in all the mess and saw his young son. And he picked him up and he loved him. And he said, thanks, my son. Now, God loves you, even when you fail. Even when you're, you don't love him back or you try and you make all the wrong choices, God loves you no matter what. And even though your love for him sometimes may fail or may not be as it was, rest assured that God's love for you will never fail. Keep faithful to him during the highs and the lows, and you'll become more like Christ. You know, in these moments, we're just going to give you an opportunity to fill out those blue cards right now. We'd love you to put your uh, name on there, and we'd love you this morning just to respond. If there's anything you just want to put down there, you want to join a small group, you want to help somewhere, you want to give your life to Christ this morning, you want to be baptised, join, become a member, why don't you just fill those out in these moments? Then we're going to pray together, and then we're going to collect those. Well, right at these moments, we're going to ask you just to hold those blue cards. Remember the Coracocho people, the latrines, we're going to take up an offering now for that specifically. So we just say, if you can give as generously as you can so that these uh, latrines can be placed in and people can live in healthier environments. So we're going to do that right now. Before we do, let's just pray. God, you're good. You're good and worthy of praise. And it gives us great delight to be faithful to you now, to continue to do the things that we know you're calling us to do. As we give this morning, God, may you bless and help so many of the world's poorest people. And God, as we continue to live 
in these next weeks as we continue to seek to love you and to serve you, no matter whether we're going through a high or a low, we thank you that you're faithful, that your love never fails, your care for us never fails. You're a great God. Thank you. Amen. Please put your blue cards in the offering as well.